Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. Today on the show, we will have Father Jordan Sampson here. Uh, he is the Director of Vocations. He's going to talk about ordinations that are coming up and just some priestly life type subjects. Before we get to Dr. B, he's, of course, here for Biblical Bites. Um, but I uh, wanted to let you all know that uh, most of our podcasts, uh, Catholic Views, Ignition, um, Lead Them to Life, and possibly uh, Faith and Politics, are all uh, available as podcasts. So wherever you get your podcasts, uh, do a search for us. I know we're on Spotify and Stitcher, um, possibly Apple iTunes. Not sure about that one. Some of them are. Yeah, some of them are. So uh, search for us. You can listen to us that way if that is the the way you prefer to get your podcast. So actually, um, so real quick, uh-huh. how would you summarize each of them? How would I summarize each yeah. of the shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's see. Catholic Views is just kind of a amalgam of all kinds of interviews talking about talking to all kinds of people. Um, it's been around a long, long time. So uh, Ignition, it's more of a learning about your faith kind of show. Yeah. Sure. I think. Uh, Lead Them to Life is more of a life, almost a faith in life kind of. Yeah, that wasn't a very good explanation, but normal life and how faith intersect. Mm-hmm. Faith and politics would be uh, definitely about <laughs> politics and how our faith is intertwined in that. Gotcha. Okay. And should be. Does that help? That sounds great. Okay. So, so Dr. B you, is here. Wherever you find podcasts, you can find them. And I am, yes, here. Yes. So, hi, Renee. Hi. What's today? Today is the fifth Sunday of Easter. What's this Sunday's nickname? <sighs> you didn't say that earlier. Oh, no. Nothing. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have Bill here today well to done. slough the questions yes, off yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. No, but, but you, you, you came through. Um, uh, where are we at in Easter then? So you, I think halfway. Yeah. Yeah, just over. Um, so Roughly. how many Sundays are there in the Easter season, Renee? <laughs> okay. There's seven Sundays of Easter, but there's eight Sundays in the Easter season. Right, because... Pentecost? Because Pentecost. Because Pentecost. Because Pentecost. (laughs) Because Pentecost. (laughs) Yeah, Pentecost is the last, actually, day of the Easter season. Uh, And so it's within the Easter season, but we don't call it the eighth Sunday of of Easter. Easter. We call it Pentecost. Uh, Great. Well done. And then they go back to green for vestments. Is that right? Back to ordinary time the day after. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, And of course, that's, I mean, that's changed throughout time. There used to be a a Pentecost vigil or a Pentecost octave, for instance. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That was before Vatican II. You know, I mean, you you were alive then. No, I was not. That was not nice either. But I was not alive (laughs) back then. It wasn't that long ago. (laughs) Plenty of people were alive then, Renee. Yes, but I was not. You were not. You were not. Uh, so today, yeah, the fifth Sunday of of Easter. I almost said Lent. I almost said <laughs> that's, that's difficult huh. to not say Lent. <laughs> um, the fifth Sunday of Easter, and I want to focus on the first reading uh, and somebody in particular in the first reading. So okay. the first reading is from Acts of the Apostles, chapter nine, and it begins this way: When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. So this is Saul. This is Paul, mm-hmm. right after his conversion, and. I can understand why, because <laughs> he was he he was there when um, Stephen was martyred. Then he goes to Damascus in order to uh, jail this, the, the Christians. Ugh. So I can understand. Why. Yeah, and they, they, they were afraid of him, not believing slightly. he really was a disciple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then we read, 
Then Barnabas took charge of him and brought him to the apostles. So this this figure who actually, when we read Acts of the Apostles, this is not the first time this 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 guy shows up. But Barnabas somehow, whoever he is, uh, and that's who we're going to talk about. But he um, as sort of speaks on Saul slash Paul's behalf mm-hmm. and brings no 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 he's this is for real. And Paul is able to talk to the to the apostles about um, what happened to him. Right. Jesus revealed himself to them and so on. So. But who is this Barnabas figure who we're reading about in Acts of the Apostles? So uh, now, Renee, we talked about this a little bit already, so yeah. it's not as fun when you because know. Because this is our take four. Right. This is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what, what do you remember disciple. about Barnabas? Well, he's he's a disciple. Yep. And now, do we hear about him before yep. Acts of the Apostles? Oh, before Acts? Nope. Okay. Nope, nope, okay. nope, nope. So he's new in that part he's of the Bible. He's new in Acts of the, Apo- okay. Acts of the Apostles. He's a disciple. Some, I, I'm not sure for sure if he's called an apostle, like uh, not one of the 12, but um, one of the other apostles like like Paul who appears in the scene later. Right. But he does show up earlier in Acts of the Apostles uh, as a man. So he's he's from, he's from a Cypriot, which means he's from... Cyprus. Cyprus. So an island in the Mediterranean. <laughs> and he is a Levite, which means oh, yeah. he's of the... Priestly class. Right. So yeah. he's not a priest himself, but sort of, uh, yeah, from the priestly class. So he, uh, he, his birth name was, do you remember this one? His birthday? Birth name. Oh, I thought you said birthday. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I do remember this. I thought first it was maybe a, a form of Judas, but you said it was Joseph. Joseph yes. is his birth name. But he's given the name um, uh, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement by the apostles. So he, I think, sold some of his belongings or had some money somehow that he gave to the apostles for them to distribute as they saw fit for their needs or yeah. the needs of the church. The son of encouragement makes sense if he's encouraging them to exactly. trust Paul. <laughs> right, right. Well, then it's just certainly here yeah. too. So he, uh, very, in fact, and he was also, um, he's the one who uh, earlier uh, in in Acts, uh, after Saul's conversion, but he's the one who went when actually might be later. When, at a certain point, Christianity is spread to Antioch, um, and it's going beyond the Jews to Gentiles. And Barnabas hears about this, and he goes to Tarsus, which is where Saul was originally from, mm-hmm. gets Saul, and and basically enlists him in the work of evangelization, spreading the gospel in Antioch. Right. So he he is the one who basically enlists Saul Paul early on in the work of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles mm-hmm. going beyond the going beyond the Jewish believers. So they become partners okay. uh, in the gospel. Uh, initially you read in, in Acts we read up Barnabas and Saul or Paul Barnabas and Paul Barnabas and Paul Barnabas and Saul. But at a certain point it flips when uh, Paul sort of becomes the senior partner. Hmm. Uh, and so it's Saul, Saul and Barnabas. But and we didn't get this to this in an earlier take. Right. They eventually kind of they have they have uh, um, a disagreement. Oh yeah. And a parting of ways. Yeah. Do you know why? Was that over? Um, <clears throat> I can't think of the word. <laughs> Shoot. What Jewish circumcision? Yes, thank you. No, they agreed about circumcision. Okay. Their disagreement is about one of Paul's fellow disciples and Barnabas's cousin, John Mark. Oh, John Mark, I think did something. I don't remember what it was, but uh, Paul was dissatisfied with his behavior and said, no, he can't go with us. And Barnabas, yes, he can. No, he can't. Yes, he can. Fine. You go your way and I'll go my way. Oh, so they, they sort of had a, a falling out, if you will, mm-hmm. but they both went on and proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. So Barnabas, not as well known as Paul, but he was the one who enlisted Paul in his work. Yeah, oh, interesting stuff. Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. 
All right, in the Catholic Views studio with me today is Father Jordan Sampson. He is the pastor at Christ the King Parish here in Sioux Falls and the director of vocations for the diocese. Welcome, Father Sampson. Thank you, Renee. Yeah, we had you here last year right before ordination, so we're, we wanted you to come back because uh, there's been some things happening. So um, I'm glad you could be here. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yes. Very so, different year than last year. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I actually went back and listened to some of the show from last year, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so different from this uh-huh. year. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So, okay. Um, there have been some changes to the vocations office. Is that how I, how I right. would say it? Yes. Okay. So, of course, when you get a new bishop, sometimes things change, and it maybe takes a little time for that to happen. So that has actually just kind of recently happened, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so tell us what's going on. Yeah, yeah, well, Bishop DeGroote hasn't really taken his time to shake things up, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, in some ways, Uh, yes, in some ways, no. (laughs) Right, right, right. So the vocations office, uh, I'm still the vocations director, uh, but Bishop has really seen a need for more formation for the seminarians and to really be intentional about the formation that our guys need uh, before they become priests. Right. So, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm the pastor of Christ the King here in Sioux Falls and the vocations director. Uh, there's just a lot going on. And I, yeah. I said, I can't do it all myself. That's a lot. <laughs> and That's he understood lot. that very well and said, well, let's give you a team. And sure. so the vocations office now is partnering with um, discipleship and, and evangelization, evangelization office, mm-hmm. as well as Catholic Family Services. So, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Chris Bergwald and Eric Gallagher from the Department of what is it? Discipleship, Discipleship and evangelization. evangelization. Yep. And then Emily Leadham at Catholic Family Services. So just to have more um, resources for counseling and more eyes on the guys that oh, are yeah. entering seminary so that more people are evaluating yeah. uh, applicants and evaluating the guys currently in formation. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to do that. I Is that kind of new like i don't know if i've noticed that in other dioceses yeah i mean sometimes there's a an application board or admissions oh, okay. board okay and that's foreign common i'd say this is akin to that okay um in some ways but, but it's not just about the application point it's like the whole way through exactly is that right okay. yeah yeah so more just more support right and it's not to be hyper evaluative right. you know right. but, but to to out of love for the man that is discerning his vocation giving him the best shot, you know, to be, as Bishop DeGroot often says, healthy, happy, and holy. Yes, 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 we need lots of that. (laughs) So kind of on, in conjunction with that, a lot of the changes that the bishop has made to priest assignments kind of plays into what's going to happen when these seminarians now go on to their new assignments. I think what he has done, and he's like made more spots for um, parochial vicars. Right. And with the um, living more communally. Do you think that'll help? Like, can you talk about some of that that sure. he's done? Sure, Yeah, at Christ the King, you know, we have we have four priests <laughs> yes. living there and they're not so. all associated with Christ the King right. Parish. Um, and it is kind of the idea that we're not to be living as an island and isolated mm-hmm. and alone. Uh, you might live alone and many priests do, but you have to be a part of a community. Yeah. And so anyway, you can foster that fact that as priests of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, we are part of a community, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if I have to live in a house by myself. Right. Uh, but in those areas where we can not live by ourselves, uh, we want to foster that as much as we can. So, I mean, at Christ the King, this is a perfect example. Father Tyler Madsen, uh, he's been with me for a year. Mm-hmm. He's been working part-time with uh, the campus ministry, reaching yeah. out to the campuses, uh, but now is going to be assigned uh, as a pastor elsewhere. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. But he's going to live at Christ the King. 
<laughs> oh, that's yeah. yeah. And so doing commuting, uh, you know, kind of limiting expectations of does the priest have to always live right, right. in the parish that right. he's serving? Um, when we can live in community, we should attempt to yeah, do so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that'll help those guys because you're in seminary and you're with all these people all the yeah. time. So then if these, they graduate, graduate, they get ordained. Mm-hmm. And then they go on, some will be parochial vicars in big churches, some a little bit smaller areas, and then they go out on their own and now they're by themselves. So I think some of those changes should really help them adjust to that. Exactly. I mean, even that adjustment from a a building of 70 guys that, you know, you're you're friends with some Mm -hmm. of them, you're, you're on mission together as a community and then you go live with one pastor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that can be, that's an adjustment in that, itself. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And I think some of those, um, they're, I know like uh, Del Rapids will be getting a parochial vicar now. Of course, they'll have some other parishes with them. And there's a couple other places that will have parochial vicars that didn't have them before. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, or more parochial, parochial vicars. Aberdeen's a great example. Father yeah. Andrew Dickinson's going to head that up up there with three parochial vicars. Yeah. So same number of priests actually right. serving those two parishes, but uh, one pastor, right. three other priests. And really, yeah. those parochial vicars, how do you describe that? Training grounds? I don't know how you oh, describe yeah. that. Yeah? They're they're useless in administration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about uh, that, guys. <laughs> no, but they're learning. They're yeah. learning. Yeah, you got to take your time to learn what it is to be a priest. Uh, and then the administrative stuff. You can start adding on. I think you can do more as you get older just because you're like, right. you know, my first two years, if I had a funeral, I mean, that's two days of preparation, you know, that you're just really worried about. Now you have a funeral as a pastor, as someone who's done it for a while, Mm -hmm. you don't have to, you know, the muscle memory is there and you kind of go through it. Yeah. You have someone who's experienced to lead you through those things the first couple of times, which is super important, I think, to be a good priest when you're out on your own. Okay. So, um, this is May. And of course we have ordinations coming up. So this year is going to look way better than last year. Um, and I didn't get to ask you this before we started, but is the public invited to ordinations this year? I, I would say the public is allowed. Okay. But I know that we have a lot of people coming because we, we have three priests. Uh, three I'm, transitional deacons. Yep. So that's already a lot. They've got a lot of family and friends that come. Yeah. Um, so, you know, might, it'll be live streamed. Yes. Still. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I would say if you're not... If you're still social distancing yourself, then you might not want to attend this. Sure, because it is <laughs> yeah. going to be rather full. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So who, what do we have going on? I know we have the deacon. That's the first ordination, right? For the permanent deacons. Yeah, so we separated. This is one of the years we have the permanent deacon ordination uh, as well. I think right. that's once every three or every four years. Yeah. I'm not sure. So that we moved that one. We separated them. Sometimes we do it with the transitional deacon one. Okay. Um, but because of wanting to, you know, allow for all the family right. to attend, uh, we moved, separated them and have the permanent deacon ordination uh, May 15th. May 15th. Yes. Yeah. A yeah. Saturday. Yes. And we have five of those guys. I'll read them off for you. Please. That really isn't your your area no. necessarily. So we have um, Jonathan Eckrich, uh, Bradley Palmer, Peter Sexton, Daniel Sherbin, I hope I'm saying that right, and Jeffrey Swank. So these five men will become permanent deacons for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can be from all over the, the they're not ne- necessarily just from here. They're coming from wherever they are in the state to right. be ordained here. From our diocese, right. East River. Right. Yep. yep. Yeah, no, I know at least Jeff Swank's from Aberdeen. I know that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And usually they go back home then. They stay in their, in their area right. typically, right? Right. And are assigned somewhere. Yeah. When you have a family, you're a little more mm-hmm. grounded. You have a job, maybe even uh, a career. So- 
the permanent deacons are less uh, like flexible in that area of like just being moved from Aberdeen to Sioux Falls or vice versa, you right. know. So they'll go back to typically their home parish. Right, right. Yep. So can you tell us real quick, like what what does a permanent deacon do exactly? I mean, we know we see them sure. in church and they help, they read the gospel. What else do they do? Yeah, yeah. I have a permanent deacon. I'm really grateful for Deacon yeah. Jim Borman. Yep. Yeah, at Christ the King. And he is, uh, any deacon, I think definitely has a, uh, I mean, the word means servant, you know, right. and service. So a heart for service, a heart for others. Uh, I really love that my deacon, Deacon Borman, uh, he serves the nursing homes and the okay. homebound. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a focus of his. He also serves the liturgy as far as like setting up and everything. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I really do love, I get to go out and greet people because I'm not worried about setting yeah. up the mass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He can <laughs> He's take got care it all taken care of. Yep. Yeah. And that's really good because then you can get to know people more. Yeah. The parishioners. For yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. Very cool. Um, okay. So that's great. Five of them. Yeah. I don't know how many there usually are. This is my first go around with the deacon uh, ordination since I've been here. Okay. So um, five seems like a good number. That to does. Me. Yeah. I think that's a typical <laughs> class. I, I don't know. All right. So then um, we have three priests. Three priests. Okay. And, and they three are transitional. Deacons. Okay. Can you tell us about those guys? Sure. Uh, as far as let's start with the deacons, since yeah. we're on deacons anyway. Yeah. Uh, the deacons to be. And they've received their call to orders uh, from the bishop, Zach Schaefbauer from Aberdeen, mm -hmm. Sacred Heart Parish. Uh, he's studying in Rome right now, so he'll come back and oh, get okay. ordained. Okay. Yep. And then we have Nick Heyer from Holy Spirit Parish yep. uh, here in Sioux Falls. Uh, and he's studying in St. Paul currently. And then Mitch McLaughlin, whose hometown is actually in Iowa. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he went to school at USD, uh, as did Nick Heyer. And uh, when he went to seminary, he just said, you know what? Uh, Sioux Falls Diocese is my home now. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so he's been here and- He's we'll a, take all the a, transplants we can exactly. get. Exactly. <laughs> he's a South Dakotan now. Nice. Yeah. So Mitch McLaughlin claims the cathedral as his home parish. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so these transitional deacons, uh, it's different than permanent deacon. Right. Because they, uh, God willing, will become priests. Yep. But even even as they, um, can you explain what a transitional deacon is? Instead of me trying to do it, because I'm not very good at it. So <laughs> you're much better at it. Uh, well, so, Right. Theologically, I suppose they're the same. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess someone more smart than I could describe that, but I know we can do the same ordination at the same time. Like right. I said, we split them up. So the difference would be that they take a promise of celibacy right. that a uh, permanent deacon would not if they're married. Right. Okay. So um, that's a difference. And then these guys will spend a year as a deacon serving in those, in that ministry, mm -hmm. serving the poor, serving a parish, and then going back to school in the fall so right. that they can finish out their uh, studies okay. and then come back and get ordained a priest in the spring. Okay. Yeah. So if they if they don't become ordained a priest, they just stay a permanent deacon and also remain celibate. Correct. Well, okay. Yeah, so that's a that's a different. That's not the path they're on. Let's okay. just put it that way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not really an option. I mean, oh, they I gotcha. are getting ordained okay. with the idea to be ordained a priest so next really, year. Okay. So that would be a real. Uh, 180 so if, if they didn't get ordained a priest. Right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. If a permanent deacon becomes a permanent deacon, but he's not married, uh -huh. does he take a vow of celibacy? Uh, yes. He does? Yes. Okay. He does. Or if his wife passes away, okay. he would automatically be expected to live a life of celibacy. Ah, okay. Correct. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. The church in her history is always, well, in her history has at times, uh, ordained married men. Right. But we have never 
allowed ordained men to marry. Oh, gotcha. So if you're so, not already married, you're not getting married while you're a priest right, is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, last year you talked a bit about um, a lot of, you want to see a lot of guys entering the seminary and a lot of guys leaving the seminary. Right. And I think it's good to revisit that because um, I think a lot of people, men especially who are, are, thinking about it or thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't go because I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. So can you explain to me why that's a good thing? Mm, sure. Yeah. Seminary is a long time, you know, mm -hmm. it's, and it's a place of discernment and we don't expect every man that enters seminary to get ordained to be a priest, but right. we expect them to generously give themselves to formation and discern with the church, what is your calling in life? Mm -hmm. So uh, it is good to have a lot of healthy men decide I'm open to this. And discovering that you're not called to it isn't a failure. Right. Uh, that's that's a win for discernment. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. discover that you're not called to be a priest. Right. So, right. Um, and it is a big step to enter. It's a mm -hmm. commitment, and especially for older men, if you have if you have a career and a house mm -hmm. and a car, you know, mm -hmm. like it's a real sacrifice to to give some of that up to enter into that formation with the possibility that you're going to discern out right. as well. But, right. Um, it's healthy to have a lot of guys entering and it's healthy to have a lot of guys leaving, yeah. especially in the early years of formation, those yeah. first few years. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I think that's, it's really good just to remember that mm -hmm. for those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this, this other question that I have for you is kind of a weird question, but it's something I'm very curious about. Um, so do you have like a homilies class? When you're a seminarian, oh, I saw, yeah. how do you learn to give a good homily? Well, some guys never do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, might know a few of those. No, <laughs> no I'm no. kidding. <laughs> uh, no, it is. There are homiletics courses. Okay. They teach you how, you know, some of the best strategies for preaching a homily. What I have discovered in my own life is that it's definitely a charism. I remember hating <laughs> homiletics class. I hated it. I mean, it was like so kind of forced and you had to imagine a crowd, imagine a scenario. Oh, and then, and then when almost I- Almost like speech class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you, I mean, I learned best practices for sure, sure in the preparation process and all of that. Um, and then you learn by doing. Yeah. You know, my my preaching style has changed over the years. Yeah, um, and so and, and it, when I say it's a charism, I think it definitely does matter for me personally, like who's in front of me. You know, right? And so you preach to your people, you yeah. know, and the love you have for your people uh, affects how how that homily comes out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you do you have to? Okay, do they teach you like? Okay, you have this gospel. This is how you figure out how to talk about this gospel, or does do you just like you get enough theology mm. you can figure that out yourselves? Mm. Uh, well, you have to pray. <laughs> oh, that would be a good start. I would say that is a, a definitely the source of good preaching is to have a prayer life, to be praying about the scriptures and with them. Um, so that's that's one of the best practices, again, for preparing is, yeah. is are you praying with those scriptures through the week and seeing what the Lord is actually speaking to your own heart uh, that he wants to share with his people. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one part. Another is study. You know, are sure. you reading Are you reading good commentaries? There's a lot of scripture oh. study commentaries out there from the church fathers to, you know, yeah. Bishop Barron's new one, <laughs> the mm -hmm. gospels yep. and the commentary that's with those. So uh, having good resources is yeah. helpful too. Yeah, I know. Okay, do you write yours down? I or are you like a, the bishop where he I, like doesn't write anything down? I, I have to have something in front of me. Okay. I do. And oftentimes I never look at it. 
but for whatever reason, I have to have something in front of me. So just in case, right? Yeah, yeah. A quick outline. I, that's all I do. Because the bishop, outline. of course, never writes his down, which is, is wow. a little bit no, wow. and it's a little bit tough for us because people are always like, "Oh, I want the bishop's homily." I'm like, well, I yeah. I can't give it to you, you because he doesn't right. write it down. <laughs> right. He just he he's. I have actually had him tell me that at times he'll be thinking he's going to say one thing and then he'll pray shortly before mass or whatever. And the Holy spirit just changes yeah, it. Right. You got to keep that openness. <laughs> Even if you write something down. Yeah. Yeah. You got to yeah. keep that openness. Absolutely. Um, I, I okay. Is there anything we missed about ordination? Yeah. I don't want to forget the priests. We talked about the transitional deacons and then we have our current transitional deacons who were yes. ordained last year yep. who are ready to get ordained uh, as Priests yeah. for our diocese. So we have uh, Deacon Jeff Schulte. will be Father mm -hmm. Jeff Schulte. He's from Orient, South Dakota, a little small town up Wait. by Falkton. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh, he's going to be assigned to Aberdeen. He'll be there. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And then we so have, he'll be really in his home area. Yeah. Which will be great. Yeah, I think that good. will be good. Uh, we'll have the Deacon Scott Miller, who will be Father Scott Miller from mm -hmm. St. Lambert Parish. Uh, he's studying in St. Paul right now, and he will be assigned to uh, St. Michael's. Oh, nice. In Sioux Falls. And nice. then- uh, Deacon Jacob Doty, yep, Father Jacob Doty to be. Uh, he will be assigned to St. Mary's here in Sioux Falls. Oh, he's with Father Paul. Uh, with Father Paul, Very yes, nice. and he's a cathedral parishioner. Okay. Originally. Now I hear he's really shy. Is uh, that an Father understatement? Jacob Father Doty. Doty. Or soon to be Father Joe. I don't find him shy. Oh, okay. No, no, he's great. <laughs> Someone told me he he's was the really kind of shy. guy. Maybe he comes off as shy right away, but man, sure. he's got. He's got a depth to him. Yeah. Oh, good, good. <laughs> well, I will say when when you first came to Holy Spirit. When was that? 2013. 2013. You seemed pretty shy then. Yeah. Yeah, I am. But not now. <laughs> but that's maybe because I know you. Are you still shy around people you don't know? Um, not, not so much. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you talk not in so front much. of hundreds of people every it's Sunday. Amazing. It's so. a sign to me that God is real because I would never think that. That was what I would do. <laughs> You'd be like, I can't do that, dude. <laughs> I know. I know. Here I am. So these guys, I know um, they have uh, quite a bit of family that they can bring with them and, and friends. So it should be a much better, um, more normal experience for them. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a very celebratory atmosphere mm -hmm. uh, on May May 28th. That'll be that ordination. Yes. So yep. this 27th is the transitional deacons. Right. 28th is the deacon or the priests. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we'll have all three of those um, live streamed. Um, you should be able to go to our website and see, see all of that. Uh, okay. We got the priests. Is there anything else I missed? Um, none that I know of. Yeah. Okay. For ordination. Right. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about giving us a blessing before we go? For sure. Just a quick one. Quick one. Sure. It'd be great. Okay. Let's pray in yeah. the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your love in this uh, continued Easter season, the gift of your resurrection, our hope of eternal life. We ask your blessing upon these to be ordained, that their lives of ministry and service to you would be uh, very fruitful by their union with you. Bless the people of the Diocese of Sioux Falls and raise up many more good and holy vocations for us all. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here with us today, Father Samson. Uh, next week, my guest will be Jan Fetrell. She is the Director of Special Events and Marketing for the Catholic Community Foundation of Eastern South Dakota. She'll be here with her daughter, Miranda, to talk about motherhood for Mother's Day. It should be a great conversation for all you moms out there. Thanks for being with us today. Join us again next week for more Catholic News.